This meeting is being recorded. Parshas Amor. Tonight actually is uh, Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni, if you translate it to Hebrew, is the second Passover. So, getting into the whole story, reality is considered a special day, has some special energies, and so whatever great and energies you like from uh, Pesach Passover, you can tap into them uh, again tonight and tomorrow. But Parsha Samar's got a lot to talk about, so let's talk about Parsha Samar. Three weeks to Shruis. Three weeks from now, we will be staying up. Those who can, the ancient custom of staying up all night and studying Torah with great food and lots of coffee. So if you're in Providence, we usually have got a, got a nice, uh, nice crowd. We call it Jewish Midnight Madness. So looking forward. In the meantime, we're supposed to get ready for that. So the Parsha starts off talking about some of the unique, uh, I guess what you call um, rules for the priests, the Kohanim. They uh, you know, have a unique job. It's part of the Jewish people, and they have certain things they're supposed to do, certain things they're not supposed to do. And Rashi points out that the, the, there's a little bit wordy. The, the, if you look at the words, it's, it's uncharacteristically wordy because the Torah doesn't waste any words. You know, maybe perhaps you and I waste words, but God knows how to write to perfection. So, you know, He didn't need to add any, any extra words. Anytime there's something that, that, that seems extra, uh, the commentaries uh, explain it. Shirashi here says that it's coming to tell you that the adult Kohanim, the adult priests, should teach all these rules to the children. Now, many uh, commentators say we, we learn a lot of the principles of the concept of chinuch. Chinuch literally means the, te- the teaching, the concept of, te- of teaching things to the next generation. So this is this, a major source of, of uh, the concept of um, uh, adults to... Um, to pass on to the next generation. So Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg of Blessed Memory was the yeshiva in Israel, Baltimore, where I'm from Baltimore. I was in the yeshiva there. I certainly was a good family friend. And he asked a very interesting question. Now, the way the Torah works, it doesn't, in order to save, uh, I guess, save words, and I'm sure for many other profound reasons as well, the Torah often says things in one place, and we learn out to other places. And it's very uh, important to focus on why the Torah specifically chose one place as the place to be learned out from. So the concept of giving over to the next generation, you know, either to one's children, or even not one's children, in general, the concept of, of giving over, why would we pick of all laws the, the um, more, let's say, not as prevalent laws of the priests. I mean, talk about Shabbos or the holidays or keeping kosher, maybe more renowned, more, more widespread laws. Why are we talking, why are we bring home this point specifically by um, 
the area talking about the the koanim, the priests. And Weinberg says in a very important explanation. He says, because think about it. You know, back you know, a lot of these laws don't apply today. They're more in the time of the temple. Some of them do still apply. But let's say you have this kid who's you know wondering like, why am I doing things? different than some of my friends. I'm not doing some of the things they do. I am doing some things that they don't do. And the parent, the way it would work, this is the way he he depicts it, is that, you know, um, you're, we're, we have a, such a special job as priests, such a special job as con. And this is why we do it. And it's something that they become, that, they, that instead of, let's say, perhaps misunderstanding and being resentful towards something they have to do or something they can't do, they feel excited and feel privileged that they're able to uh, to be a part of, of of this endeavor. And he said that's and that's why this is the play. This is the source because that's really how you're going to be able to inspire uh, really anyone, but specifically younger people uh, to be able to do something. You know. Intellectually, even most adults don't speak to too many people. People want to feel the beauty in things, the transcendence of things, the privilege of things, excitement, inspiration. And that's what we got to do when we're trying to give things over to the next generation and share things with other people. That's what's going to speak to people. And that's what we learn from, from, the, uh, from the positioning of this, of, of this idea. Okay, now a little more on that, but a, a, a different angle. When it talks about, so we just said, this is the source that, as Rashi says, that parents to teach their children, teaching the next generation. Well, it doesn't actually say to say it to them. It just kind of like, just says, you know, they're going to have to be taught it, but it doesn't actually come out and say in the verse, say this over to the next generation. It could have said that. So, I forgot who says this. I uh, saw this a long time ago. Explains that, you know what? The number one way to influence a situation or someone else, or even yourself, is not by what you think and say, it's not what you do. And that's the message. If the Torah would have said, hey, Kohanim, priests, make sure you tell your your uh, your kids and your grandkids and everyone else that this is what you do, this is what you don't do. Okay, everyone got it? Great. No. Act it. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't do what you're supposed to do. And don't look resentful about it. Actually, forget looks. Be Actually, be excited about it. And, and, and people will want to do it. Reminds me of a story... Uh, years ago, I had a Chavrusa study partner who um, very wealthy fellow, actually, very influential fellow. And we would study the weekly Torah portion together. And one week, he is, you know, he was probably old enough to be my father. I wasn't even that old at the time. Not that I'm old now, but even younger than I am now. And what happened was, is we were studying, he's like, you know, you know, his kids must have been in college at the time. I probably was shortly after college myself. And he says to me, you know, 
my kids are getting older and I'm just not so excited. This is a very involved Jew. He was like always like the president of a synagogue and the president of this and very, very involved, proud Jew. And he wasn't he was particularly getting to get a little bit nervous, a little bit sad that his children were not as excited, to say the least, um, about, you know, a lot of the things that were exciting to him and his wife. And I had a similar interaction with a very good friend of mine. We were having coffee together in a Starbucks. And I think it was right around the end of the year. So, you know, there's a lot of the, it's the most wonderful time, right? So those songs were in the uh, in the air and there was all the pomp. And anywhere you go, I think the cups that time of year in Starbucks are very uh, uh, holiday-ish. So you kind of feel it. And he said to me, you know, Naftali, he's like, you know, I sh- you know, my wife and I struggle with this every year. You know, our kids, you know, they see what their friends are doing and they want a tree. Why can't we, why can't we have a tree? And, you know, well, let's celebrate what they're celebrating. He said to me, he said, you know, uh, Naftali, um, how, how are you, how, how do you deal with that? And I said, you know, Look, I'm not perfect at it, but I'll tell you what, what we endeavor to do. We endeavor that what we're doing is beautiful and exciting and enjoyable. Or as I say to my birthright trips, it's been a while, but when I was doing birthright trips before COVID, you know, Judaism is meaningful, practical, meaningful, practical, and enjoyable. Right. Doesn't mean every single second it's that way, but in general, it's supposed to be practical, enjoyable, and meaningful. And if it's that, people are going to want to do it. People want to do things that are practical, meaningful, and enjoyable. Um. So it says that in discussing. One of the roles of the Kohanim we uh, discussed in a few weeks ago in the Parsha is that when someone is gets the quote-unquote leprosy, spiritual disease that has physical expression, one of the things they have to do is they got to go to the Kohen. And one of the purposes of going to the Kohen, he can't do much about it. And what the Kohen is able to do, we say, is a Kohen is able to be empathetic to your pain. And the Torah is bringing out that, and this is something that I think is, the world is slowly realizing truths that God gave us, you know, 3,300 years ago. But empathy is an actual gift. It's a real, real thing. It really helps. It really helps the person. And uh, it's free. You can do it. Sometimes it takes a little bit of, a, little, little bit of, of energy. Most people are pretty natural at it, but you can learn it pretty quick. Anyone can do it. Um, just, just little, you know, to feel other people's pain, identify with their pain. Uh, you definitely can. It's a skill one can develop. But you got to do it, and it really, really helps people. And sometimes a lot of time, you know, you, you, you know someone, they're going through something, and a lot of times it really isn't anything you actually could do you know, to change, change the situation. You can be empathetic, and it actually helps. It actually helps. It makes a person feel better. It can even help them physically. This, the Parsha talks about 
discusses if one damages an animal by accident. And it says you are responsible. And we learn from here in general, a person is responsible for what they do. You can't, actually, this is for me, you cannot damage anything of anyone else. cannot damage a person. You cannot damage anything about them, monetarily, their reputation. You can't do anything to damage someone. If you damage someone, you are fully responsible. The Torah has many details about how to fully compensate someone for all the different aspects of uh, there's actually the the, the Torah uh, breaks it down into five different areas that uh, most that things can fall into of, um, of, of things that happen to someone and one I punched someone in the face so I, I could I could embarrass them that's one part of pain there's damaging them there's the pain there could be loss of money doctor bills so that it's, it, it seems like a very simple concept, which it is, but a lot of times simple things aren't so simple. And um, it really, we something we have to like nail home. We are responsible for everything that we do, every single thing that we do, and 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 that's that's a scary thing, and that's why we don't like to think about it. But the reality is, it's true. Um, and you know, there's a concept in the Gemara. Says so the Talmud, you know, a lot of times, you know, someone might be able to get away with something in court, and the truth is that, yeah, that could happen in in this world. You know, you know, we, you know, people can quote unquote get away with things, but there's really no such thing, because God sees everything, and God sees all the good things you do, and that's inspired. That sometimes can be empowering when you feel like nobody knows, nobody cares, your mother cares, but God cares. And, and and he knows, and you're 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 no 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 as as it says in I believe in ethics of the fathers, no good deed or bad deed goes unnoticed. And the person lives with that. It's it's actually life changing. The more you, the more one can like believe that and live with that. It's it's, it's refreshing. It's motivating. It makes you take life seriously. Very, it's so interesting sometimes to to look at. A lot of times, the uh, Jewish laws have all these details, and the details are there to teach us ways of life and sensitivity, much more than just the actual law. So here's an example: uh, Judaism has a uh, welfare system, the probably the first welfare system. There's many, many in a uh, many it applies more in Israel. Um, but there's many um, concepts where the less fortunate were were taken care of, and one of those was there were certain the edge of the fields. At a certain point, the edge of the field needs to be left for poor people. Poor people will come, especially you know today we don't think about it so much because we live in mainly in urban areas, but in agricultural. Um, societies, you know, that's why everyone got their food, their food. So everyone, every single person, all the poor people knew when people were done their harvests, you just go and you take it. The Torah makes a point and says that you are not allowed to, it says that you should leave the corner for the poor person. What does that mean, leave the corner for the poor person? You give it to him. No. 
You specifically leave it so you don't embarrass the guy. You want to minimize the embarrassment because it's embarrassing to take. It's embarrassing to take. It shows that you're needy. It doesn't feel good. It feels a little wormy. But you know what? But the person needs. So, but as much as we can minimize his feeling um, not good about it, we should. And therefore, instead of picking and saying, oh, here, Mr. Poor Person, here is your thing. Instead, leave it there. Save him face. Let him just come and take it. And this is a hard thing. A lot of times, you know, when you give to people, honest people don't want to take. But ever, you ever feel like sometimes there's certain people that you're happy to, quote, unquote, take from them, allow them to help you? And there are certain people that you really just know, please, no thanks, I'm fine. And if you think about it, I'm not saying this is 100% true all the time, but it's something to think about that, you know, it could be, and think it's really more not for us to, like, be thinking bad about other people, but more about how we act. Um, do we when we do a kindness for someone, as much as possible, make sure the person feels comfortable and they're not going to feel beholden to you and they're happy to take. And, and that's, that's usually why we don't mind taking it from our parents, certainly as children, because their parent parents, they they make it easy for us. And that's our, and that's what we do. So when we do kindness, let's make sure it's a true kindness as much that people won't feel, uh, they'll want to take more, and they'll be comfortable taking, and they won't feel bad um, afterwards. It says, do not profane God's name. You should make it holy. What does that mean? There's a famous piece from Maimonides from the Rambam who says that particularly, and really this applies to any Jew, but especially a Jew that when people see you, they they feel you represent God. And all this applies to all Jews because the world knows Jewish people are, are God's people. And especially the more you wear your Judaism on your sleeve, um, the more you represent God. And when you represent God, you represent God. Which means you sometimes you may need to act uh, on a higher plane. Many people say it's not fair. The world has a double standard for Israel. And there is a lot of inappropriate there. I'm not getting into that. But the concept that there should be some sort of, now, the problem is it's way out of whack and inappropriate and it's dangerous and it's medic. But the concept that there's a double standard, we all know. You certainly expect more from an adult than you do a child. You expect more from a, a president than you do from a non-president. There's all types of, of you know, roles in the world. And and if someone represents God and people, even if they truly, even if they want to say, I know our my teacher, uh, my, my, my Shiva Rabbi Gibber, used to always start off every school. And he says, look, you, whether you embody everything that people think you do is irrelevant. But if you're representing it, then you're giving off that impression. So if people think you study Torah all day and you're this holy person uh, and they see you and you're not acting befitting, then then that reflects back on, on God, reflects back on the Jewish people. All Jews represent the Jews. Now, people say don't judge Judaism by the Jews. Now, that's a good idea. 
because, of course, we're all human and we make mistakes. So you can't say just because you saw even a rabbi do something. It's a famous thing. You know, you're know, you not supposed to make laws, uh, decide what to do from looking at someone. First of all, people make mistakes. But even on top of that, there are special reasons. So, but it's important if a person, this is very empowering. Very empowering. If I feel like, wow, I'm a person, I, I represent in some degree, I represent God in this world. And, and, and um, that's the reason, that's a reason for a lot of Jewish um, dress customs. Sometimes someone will say, I remember when I was younger, I probably felt this like, oh, why do you got to do it? Who cares? It doesn't matter what you do. I mean, it does matter. I mean, everything in the world, there's, there's, today it's kind of going to the wayside, but there's still firemen wear uniforms and doctors wear uniforms and police. A uniform, it, 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 it makes, it helps you act, act and, 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 uh, and, and Act and promote a certain way of uh, of thinking and living. Okay. Another idea, similar idea, along the same lines, is that there's a beautiful concept that which, you know, I don't, I'm not a, a uh, expert in comparative religion, but I know it's something very special about Judaism. I think it's unique to Judaism. But even if it's not, there's something special about Judaism. We say there's no such thing as mundane. As they say, parev is for the kitchen. What does that mean? You know, in your kitchen, you got your meat, you got your dairy, and you got the stuff that can go either way. It's nothing. It's not meat. It's not dairy. But parev is for the kitchen. Life, there's no parv. Everything can be good. Everything can be bad. Now, things aren't black and white. Sometimes some can be not so bad, not so good. But there's no such thing. There's always like a percentage points there. There's no such thing as like it doesn't matter. We say every second, and this is, and part, and there's a part of us that wants to think it, that it doesn't matter. Because if it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter what I do. I can do whatever I want. But if everything we do matters, you think about a surgeon. Think about a president of the United States. The president of CBCO right now is NBA playoffs. I mean, sometimes you can be watching a game and they say, you know, there's, there's two minutes left. And, and the announcer will say, there's so much time left, or even there's like, you know, three seconds on the clock, and they'll say plenty of time for a shot here. And, like, it makes you think, like, wow, wow, oh, every second matters. And and that's just basketball, and that's just, you know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's hard to, I know, I'm going to say that now with the, locally here, we have some local teams in the playoffs, but it's just a game. Just a business, a game. But in life, everything matters. Now, you can't get neurotic, and you can't, most people, it's a life's work of being able to be more and more, have this more, more and more awareness. But it's true. And uh, again, it's one of those things. The more a person understands this, the more their life becomes enjoyable because it becomes more meaningful. What you do matters. And there's nothing, no better feeling. If you pay attention to the times, when you're feeling really good, yeah, you can enjoy you know, a piece of cake, some ice cream, Disney World, whatever it is. But, you know, I'm talking about 
Pay attention when you feel good. Most of the time when you feel good, maybe even all 100% of the time, it's when you feel that you matter. You know, last, unfortunately, a week ago, I, I was dealing with someone with their crisis. And, you know, of course, you try to just help them as much as they can, and you're doing it just to help. But reality is when you are helping someone and you feel like, wow, this person really needs me. I'm making a difference right now. It's not a, it doesn't have to be this feeling of like, you know, egotistical, you know, I'm great. No, it's just this reality that I matter. I matter. And that's such a, and the more you do good things, the more you, you, you use your, your life wisely, you, you just, it's just, just, it's just incredible. Just keep feeling more and more and more great. And you, and you want more of that and more of that. And, and all the, ple- all worldly pleasures, you know, they are pleasurable and there's a time and place for them. There's a purpose for them. But certainly in any form of, of extreme and any form of, in a, you know, being used, you know, in not healthy ways, you know, it's, it's so fleeting. It's, eh, the greatest pleasures in the world, food and everything else, it's just so, goes so fast. Sustainable, sustainable enjoyment and happiness comes from the feeling you feel like you really matter. And you do matter. If you're alive, it means you matter. And that's why we're so into into this, the, the into into the um, holiness of life, because life is, is is an opportunity to to accomplish. Uh, let's see, we have any other ideas we want to focus on tonight? Uh, okay, yeah, this is this is again. Maybe we'll stop with this idea. So the Medrash says. That Moshe was given a vision. Moshe saw pretty much the future. The future. Bad things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen. And why? Now, God does what what wasn't isn't isn't just into showing movies. There's a reason why God showed him. And he wanted him to tell him, as he said, you know what? You, You still have life ahead of you. And I want you to realize that when you see things that don't look good to you, what you're supposed to do is look here and see what did I do that caused that? Or what can I not do that won't cause that? That is the that is the that is the way we're supposed to look at things. We're supposed to look at things, you know, they remember they say, you know, I remember I must have been a, a young rabbinic student when the tsunamis happened, unfortunately, the horrible what was it? Thousands of people passed away. And I remember a great rabbi said, you know what? All we're supposed to do, obviously there's the people who, who are able to help in a practical way, the few, and those are tremendous mitzvah. But for most people who heard it from other parts of the world, you're supposed to look in and say, hey, how could I be a better person? What could I do differently? Because um, we know everything affects everybody. And that's the way God made the world. Okay, so we learned about if you want to inspire people to uh, show the beauty of it, show the excitement of it, model it. We learned how important empathy is. We learned how there's no power. No power of everything. Everything can be used for a good purpose or unfortunately a bad purpose. We learned how we're responsible. Even when we do kindness, be very thoughtful 
make sure the person doesn't doesn't feel worse than they need to. If you learned how we, we we represent God, we gotta live that way. And we learned that you know when you uh, when you when you when you do something, sorry, when you see something and you see something bad and you think, hey, introspect. In person, you, you feel you feel much. It's a much happier way to live when you when, when you're thinking, what can I do? Instead of like, oh, I'm noticing all the bad. We're gonna notice the bad, but instead of focusing on it, you say, hey, okay, what can I do about this? Is there anything I could do? I could be a better person here. And then then, as we say in the class, this is about loving your neighbor. You know, people feel the positive vibes, and you know, that's especially something you gotta do on Shabbos. So a beautiful Shabbos. And thanks for listening wherever you are.